In this series, we are going to evaluate, we're going to take the opportunity to do something that, that we as God's people should do often, that we should look and be alert, watch and pray, the Bible says, to be able to answer the question, is this the end? Lord, I hope so. <laughs> it's, I'm ready. And if it's not then I'm ready for that as well. What will the end look like? That is the question that we're going to evaluate over the next few weeks. Listen, I'm going to get into all the weeds. I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to talk about the, the, the rapture or being caught up in the air. I might even dive into pre-trib, mid-trib, and post-trib. Some of you are like, what kind of trib is he talking about right now? What does that even mean? I, I, I will dive into the difference between being caught up in the air or the rapture of Jesus and the actual return of Jesus, one we're taking up, one he's coming down and we'll be with him. We'll dive into the millennial reign, I'm sure, and then the new heaven, the new earth, and the new Jerusalem. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun. But I've got to lay a foundation this week. Uh, it was last, I, I believe, spring. Nope, it was last fall because everything got canceled last spring. So we were headed to a gymnastics meet. Um, our oldest was ready to, 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 to compete. I don't know where she gets it from, but she's extremely competitive. Must be something on her mother's side. I don't know. It's just there's a gene in her that doesn't like to lose. And so we're on our way to the meet. And, and the girls had gotten in the vehicle, and they were all curled up, you know. Uh, they were going to go back to sleep. And um, Gabriel, Gabriel was in the back. My man's wide awake. Like, he's, he's ready. Like he, we ain't even going to do nothing, but he's ready. It's, it's pitch black outside. Okay, and we're going south on Highway 13, and, and he looks over. I guess he had never passed the plant. I believe that's the Clico plant, if I'm not mistaken. He'd never passed the plant when it was still dark outside, and there was no moon. I mean, it was dark, and that plant was all lit up, you know, and there's some smoke coming up and all the lights out there, and it's 5 in the morning, and Gabriel yells out from the back of the car, unexpected, dun, dun, dun. And of course, we, I realized when we bust out laughing. And so because he's my son, when we laugh, he decided to do it 17 more times over the next 30 seconds or so. And, uh, and that irritated his sister. Like, okay, it's enough. Let us go back to sleep. Uh, sometimes, sometimes things are not as they appear, right? That's, it's just, a, it's a plant. It's not scary. But to him, he was like, oh, what are they brewing over there? You know, sometimes things are not as they appear. And then sometimes they are as they appear. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus begins to explain. And, and by the way, you can parallel Matthew 24 with Luke 21 they go together very well. In Matthew 24, Jesus is walking with his disciples. Now, if you go back to chapter 23, you see that Jesus had just given some pretty stern warnings to some religious types, some, some uh, self-confidently, arrogantly religious types of people. And then he transitions in, and he was leaving from the temple. Okay, he had just been in the temple. And Matthew 24 opens and says, And the disciples were showing him all the things that were in the temple. Like, 
uh, how it was built. Lord, look at these columns and, and look at this wall. I mean, it would literally be like Gabriel taking me around the house or one of my children taking me around the house and going, Daddy, did you know that we have this hardy board on the bottom and that we replace these boards and that we replace that? And I'd be like, yeah, duh, I paid for it. I do know that we've done that. And, and Jesus, so Jesus is humoring them walking around with, they're going, look at this, look at that. And Jesus wasn't nearly as gracious with them in that moment as I might would have been uh, because he had a point to make he says yeah everything you see is going down <laughs> I a story of a, a bible college student and he was just he was just very very much a realist which i understand because i'm not a glass half empty or a glass half full kind of a guy that's not me if i look at a glass i look at it and i think somebody drank out of it it's not mine and i don't care what's whether it's full or empty if it doesn't belong to me it doesn't matter so that's just my my perspective i don't see i'm not an optimist i'm not a pessimist i'm a realist and my wife hates it when i say that but but that is that is the how i perceive the glass and this guy was that way and and it was like everything that his friends would say he would they would say man look at that car that is so cool. Ah, man, that is fine. Look at that truck, man. Look at that F-250. They got a gas tank, and they don't even have to go to the gas station. They just carry it with them. They got a pump on the back. Man, that's so, he would say, it's going to burn. It's going to burn. Somebody builds a brand new, man, look at that brand new house, man. It's right there on the, right there on the corner. Oh, I can't believe it's so ornate. And, and it's, it's like, it's like Acadian coastal style all at the same time. It's just beautiful white and brown, how it goes together. Look at the columns. It's going to burn. It's going to burn. It's all going to burn. It was just his, it was just his mentality. Well, that's essentially what Jesus did to the disciples. This temple will be destroyed. In fact, he says, there's not one brick that will remain in this thing before the end gets. Everything will be toppled over. And so then the disciples ask, when? Oh, my, you. <laughs> you get it? No, it's okay. It's just let it settle. <laughs> when is this going to happen? And, and here's what they ask. What sign? What sign? In order for us to believe, in order for us to know, what sign can we look for that will signal the end of days and, and your return? I heard an old joke. If you've heard it before, just hang in there with me. I heard an old joke of some Christians, uh, you know, super spiritual. Um, they don't go to this church. If they did, I'd ask them to stop or go somewhere else. But they were on the side of the road and they had signs. You've seen these people, right? Um, they had signs, and, 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 and their signs said, the end is near. And then the other sign next to him said, turn around now, exclamation mark. And, and this guy drove up, and he rolled his window down, and he said, you hateful Christians, why don't you just take your signs and go home, leave people alone? And they're like, the end is near, turn around now. And he rolls his window up, and he speeds off. And all of a sudden, they hear in the distance, Arr! so they look at one another and start to have a conversation. They say, you know, maybe we should say, bridge out, turn around now, instead of the end. Of, I know, it was as bad the first time, too. It really was. 
But the point of that really terrible dad joke was, I think that sometimes as believers, we send the wrong message. We mean well, but we miss the point. What is the point of this passage? I'm going to take you through an expository explanation. That means essentially verse by verse explanation of Matthew chapter 24. As Jesus begins to respond to the question, I believe, number one, Jesus wants us looking to him, not for signs. Now that was, that's, that's a good point. Because everybody gets all excited about the signs and the, the end time sermon. And you're going to do a series on Revelation? Yes! Let's go! Nobody like, likes to read it at night right before they go to sleep. But they love to hear series. Everybody's all interested in the end of the world. Very, very few are as interested. In fact, I would say if the church was as interested in reaching the lost as they were getting to heaven at the end of the world, then the world would already be one and Jesus could have already come back. It's just, a, it's just this personal conviction that I carry. Number one, Jesus wants us looking to him, not, not for signs. Verse 4 of Matthew 24, the Bible says, Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you. You just kind of take that one and let it simmer for a little while. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and they will deceive many. Like the greatest deception is still yet to come. False prophets, false preachers, hyper grace people that extend grace into a place that excuses sin or, or tries to give an excuse for continuing in sin. Listen to me, hear me. You are not a sinner saved by grace. You were a sinner, now you're saved by grace. That makes you a saint in the name of Jesus. That is who you are in Christ. And then there's the other side. We have the hyper grace side and, and we have the arrogantly honest side. You've met these people. You didn't ask them for the truth. But truth comes they're known as the Bible beaters. They take the Bible and they use it against, they use it as a weapon against people that they're supposed to win. Listen to me, hear me. You cannot fight the people you're supposed to win. When you fight against them, you can't win them to Him. That's not how it works. And so you got these two ends of the spectrum. And many people are being deceived and confused. In verse 6, Jesus says, And you will hear of wars and threats of wars. But don't panic. Okay, my, you could just simmer on this. Like if you just remember these three words, Jesus said 2,000 years ago, No matter what you wake up to tomorrow morning, no matter what you hear in mainstream media, no matter what you read, on social media. And by the way, I recommend reading your Bible more than social media. Just as a general rule. If you read social media more than you read what he's already said, I can promise you that anxiety is not coming from the devil. You're letting it in. 
Well, it's just a good series. So welcome our guests today. I forgot to say, my name is Pastor Chris Fry. My wife Megan and I are so glad that you came. Please come back. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a good series. Don't panic. It's only a pandemic if you let it be. It's only depression if you let it be. It only causes anxiety if you allow it to. Jesus said, don't panic. Don't panic. Don't panic. And then he goes on. These things have to take place. It has to happen. Nation arise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Famines. Like real ones. Not like the ones that affect only some people and not others. And, and I get, for some, it's a painful pandemic because it's affected people that you love. And for some, it's a painful scamdemic because it's affecting business across the nation. I get it, both and. But Jesus says, look, famines, earthquakes, like you think these were some storms? You better buckle up, buttercup, because it's going to affect more than your electricity. That's what he's already said. But, that, but, it, but isn't it comforting that he opens? Don't panic. <laughs> no, it's not, really. It's really not. Famines and earthquakes all over the world. Verse 8. All this that I just read is just the beginning of birth pains with more to come. Is this the end? Could be. But there's more to come. And the question is not whether things are going to come. The question is how is the church going to handle what is coming? How are believers going to be impacted and affected? And then how are believers going to impact and affect? Despite the fact that these are the beginning of birth pains. You know, that's interesting. Um, my wife was pregnant. I've never been pregnant, so I don't know what it's like. Thank God, because if Chris would have been pregnant, we'd have had one baby, and that would have been it. I'd have been counting days, taking pills, sleeping in the other room. I'm telling you, I, I would have done anything and everything to avoid that happening. But when she was pregnant, she had, for the first time, we didn't really know what was going on. Um, I definitely didn't know what was going on. You know, She's like, feel the baby kick. I was like, Oh, wow, that is weird. <laughs> when is she coming? That's all I cared about. Look, her foot's in my belly. No, I don't want to look at her foot sticking out of your belly. I saw that in an alien movie. That is creepy. So she had these pains, these birth pains. You ladies will know exactly. I think I'm saying I'm right. This Braxton Hicks or something like that. Listen, nothing good starts with Hicks, I'm telling you. If you take Hicks, you put a bunch of Hicks in it, it's going to mess things up. It confuses people. So she was having these, these birth pains. And so we would go to the hospital because I'm in, you know. Get in the car, girl. Oh, it hurts. Get in. Let's go. I loved it. Hey, give me a reason to drive fast. I'm in, Jack. I'm I'm going. So we would go to the hospital, and she would be like, I don't know, I think this is it. And the nurse would go, I can promise you with a smile on your face, this ain't it, baby. <laughs> you need to go back home and go to sleep because <laughs> this ain't it. But, but it felt like it. I'm telling you, this ain't it. I'm telling you, this is just the beginning. What took place in March and April 
It's just the beginning. Your faith is going to be tested and challenged way more than this. But it could be. See, the beginning of birth pains, come on, hear me, listen. It means that something's been conceived. It means that something's been planted. It means that something's incubating. Something's stirring in the heavenlies. And when you begin to experience the beginning of birth pains, it means that God is up to something and something is coming. And then all of a sudden, when the birth pains seem like they can no more be bared, birth comes to pass and a child is born. The bride is relieved in that moment. See, number two... We don't really have to worry about it because, number two, there's no secrets in knowing Jesus. Like, Jesus isn't trying to hide anything from us. He's been telling us for 2,000 years, look, don't panic. That's just the beginning of birth pains. Like wars and rumors of wars, that doesn't mean the whole earth is falling apart. It means it's doing what it was supposed to. Well, that's a different perspective, right? Let's keep reading. Verse 9. There's no secrets in knowing Jesus. You're going to be arrested, persecuted, and killed. Praise God. (laughs) Praise the Lord, everybody. I'm going to see a victory. You might die first. (laughs) And I love what what Pastor Blaine said this morning because that was God-ordained, and God helped me put this together. See, everybody dies, but not everybody lives. Hezekiah was told, you're going to die, and you're not going to live. Because everybody dies, but not everybody lives. Everybody's going to pass from this life into the next. And the question is not what you did in this life, but whether you did it for Jesus or not. That's the only question that we'll have to answer in the next life. And so you can lose your life here, but you gain it there. And you can know that even if the world persecutes you, arrests you, and kills you, they can't take the life from you. Because they didn't give the life to you. This is what will happen. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And, and by the way, the American church doesn't know persecution. The church in India, Asia, Iraq, Iran, Palestine, that those, church, those, people know, those people know persecution. Did you know that over the last 10 years, more Christians have lost their lives for the sake of the gospel than any other generation in the history of existence? Not here. So we get all upset if they just they pull a picture off of a wall. These people face real persecution. Many will turn away. This is why I don't believe in unconditional security, by the way. Many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. You can't turn away from somebody that you hadn't turned to. So there will be many who will turn away. You might have prayed the prayer. You might have been water baptized. But something's going to cause you to stop following Jesus. You're going to turn away. And then you'll begin to betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many. Because they turned away. See, only you make yourself susceptible to the enemy. The enemy only has access to your life if you allow that access in the name of Jesus. Verse 25, let me keep going. Sin will be rampant everywhere, even especially during Mardi Gras. I didn't go in there early. You should be able to tell the difference between a sinner and a saint on 2nd Street. I'm just saying. My bad, I done stepped in something. Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. Verse 13, but the one 
who endures to the end. See, you can receive salvation. Anybody can take the reservation. But can you endure? This verse scared the doctrine out of me when I was 19, 20 years old. Because I was always taught, just, just get saved, just get saved, just get saved. What we should be teaching is follow Jesus, follow Jesus, follow Jesus. Because you can receive salvation Sunday after Sunday. If you don't remain in Christ Monday through Saturday, then the world will only see your followedness. But, 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 those who endure to the end, those people... Verse 14, the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world. Now, preachers in the 80s were, making, were being made fun of for this. Imagine trying to preach this in the 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th, go all the way up to the 1900s. Trying to preach that the gospel is going to be preached to the whole world. Imagine being a preacher... Telling people that in the book of Revelations, the Bible says that there will be two witnesses in the end. And they will evangelize the gospel. Two people, just two people, will evangelize the gospel to the whole world during the worst of the world's existence. And then they're going to be slain in the streets and the whole world is going to watch them lay there. That didn't make any sense 50 years ago. How's the whole world going to hear the gospel of two people? How's the whole world going to watch while two people lay in the streets? You want to know? I'm going to show you. Wow. They killed those two guys. Whole world. Whole world is going to see. Makes sense now. Is this the end? I don't know, but we're pretty close. Because in the last days, there will be an explosion of knowledge. And you can't buy something this week that remains, remains consistent in a month and a half. Why? Because there's an explosion of knowledge that's taking place. The whole world. So all the nations will hear it. And then, when all the nations... Well, what about the two billion people that have never heard the name of Jesus? Doesn't mean their ancestors didn't hear and deny doesn't mean that there wasn't somebody in their heritage that didn't kill a missionary and stop the gospel from being communicated to the rest of the village for the rest of their history. How close are we? Well, Jesus said, as soon as the whole world hears, and the whole world is hearing, I'm telling you, it's the beginning of birth pains because God has conceived something on this earth. God is incubating. Can you sense the Spirit incubating and stirring something? in the house of God, in the people of God, and with the lives of the people that he puts in their path. Verse 15, the day is coming when you will see what Daniel the prophet spoke about, the sacrilegious object that causes desecration, standing in the holy place. Daniel said in Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, that there would be a covenant signed. That covenant would represent peace for seven years. There would be a leader that would lead that peace. There would be one person. Most theologians today believe that that person would arise through the European coalition, and that person would lead the peace between Israel and Islam, between the the Jews and, and, and the, the, those who believe and practice maybe possibly the Palestinian state between Israel and the Palestinian state and there would be seven years did you know that Israel just signed a covenant 
just a couple of weeks ago. Now, I don't personally believe that it's that covenant because that covenant, Daniel said, is the beginning, the first day of the next 1,240 days, which would lead to another 1,290 days, which would ultimately equal seven years, three and a half of peace and three and a half of absolute hell on earth. Daniel spoke about it in verse 16. The Bible says, when you see that, if you're in Judea, you better run. If you're, if you're still here, when you see that happen, you better hide because this is just the beginning. It's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. Now, let me just give you a little bit of a breath of fresh air. The Bible also promises that the saints shall not see the wrath of God. There's a biblical promise. The saints shall not see the wrath of God. There is a great calling up. We refer to that as the rapture of the church. I'll explain this more as we move forward. I personally believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, although I could explain with Scripture mid-tribulation and a post-tribulation, and I ain't arguing it with you because I ain't got time. There's people going to hell while Christians fight over the Bible. I'm not worried about when we're leaving. I just know I am. And I want to take as many people with me as possible. That's what I want to do. Well, there... We'll just keep going. Let's just keep riding. <laughs> the Bible says, Jesus is, is saying, don't even get your stuff. Just run. You don't even have time to go home. You're not even going to worry about what you have and what you've built up. You're not even going to worry about what took place in New York on the stock market. That day. You're not going to care about Wall Street. You're just going to care about surviving. Living right here. That's all you're going to care. Isn't it interesting? And we'll talk about this some more. Isn't it interesting that for the first three books of the book, uh, of the, the first three chapters of the book of Revelation, that the church is mentioned over and over and over and over again? In fact, there's seven churches, which is an explanation of seven churches that still exist to this day. And in the first three chapters of the book of Revelation, the church, the church, the church, 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 church. Then all of a sudden you get to chapter four, you go to chapter 19, the church isn't mentioned anymore. You know why? Because they're not here. All of a sudden, you see the wrath of God. Why? Because the only thing holding back the wrath of God is the church of God. See, the, the husband's not going to burn the house as long as the bride's in it. This is a good series. I'm telling you, we're going to have fun. We're going to have fun over the next few weeks. Verse 22. In fact, it's going to get so bad during that great tribulation... Not tribulations. Tribulation is going to happen. Trials are going to happen. Those are good things. Produce, they're going to produce perseverance and character and character hope. And hope is the substance of faith. And faith is required for salvation. Those things are going to happen. But the great tribulation is be a little bit different. Verse 22. If it were, in fact, unless that time of calamity, unless that time of great tribulation, unless that time of God pouring out his wrath upon the earth were shortened, not a single person would even survive. But it will be for the sake of God's chosen ones. Now, I personally believe for the sake of God's chosen ones is a reference to the people who will survive the great tribulation and receive salvation during the great tribulation. If you don't agree with that, that's okay. Let's just win as many people along the way. Verse 25, I'm jumping a little bit. See, I warned you about this ahead of time. Well, thank you, Jesus. He already told us. He's already warned us. Guys, if you know something is coming, then you can't be surprised by it when it gets here. I can't believe. I've lost my faith in humanity. I've said this before. I'll say it again. You lost your faith when you put it in humanity. No, no, no. It's, 
Jesus has already told us. I'm, I'm warning you. And then Jesus continues to explain. I believe what he's about to explain in the next few verses, which I don't have, but you can go read. You can look at the chapter, Matthew 24 and Luke 21. There's a parallel. Those passages are being explained by Jesus so that disciples can understand the ultimate point, which I'm almost ready to show you. I'm getting ready to show you the ultimate point of this whole passage. But before we get there, as Jesus continues to explain, I believe that he is explaining what you can go to Revelation chapter chapter 4 and read through Revelation chapter 19. Now it ain't going to make a whole lot of sense to most of us and notice I put myself right there in that category with you. I'm like a, it's a locust with a tail and a stinger from hell. What is that? That sounds nuts but it, it, whatever it's a, some people think it's a helicopter with a missile you know and John was like whoa look at that giant fly man that thing hurts. You know, he he goes, what, do you, what do you do? Jesus begins to explain and he's telling them and warning them. And he says, when, when people say, look, here comes the Messiah. He said, don't even look. Because, why? When people say, the, look, the Messiah has come. He says, don't even, don't even pay attention to him. Why? Because you're not going to have time to say, look, when Jesus returns. Jesus said, like a bolt of lightning. Now, you might say, did you see that? <laughs> but you're not going to have time to go, wow, look at that. Here he comes. No, done. Like a bolt of lightning from the east to the west in the twinkling of an eye as a thief in the night. It's going to happen. That is the only reason that I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture for the believers of Jesus Christ. Why? Because I believe in an imminent return. What does that mean? I'm going to tell you when Jesus is coming back. You ready? Take this note. Jesus is coming back. Write this down. At any time. I just told you, you're welcome. I just solved like a whole lot of theological arguments. Let me give you 88 reasons why he didn't come back in 1988. And I'm telling you right now, stop prophesying the day or hour and he might come back on that one. If you'll leave it alone and just do your job along the way. Number three, this is my last point. Be a sensible servant. Because we're good at being emotional servants. Well, <laughs> thought somebody might wave something there. We're good. We're good at being dramatic servants. We're good at being frustrated servants. Somebody help me with some adverbs. We're good, <laughs> We're good at responding in the moment. But Jesus said he wants us to be a sensible Servant. Remember, I said Jesus wants us looking to him and not for signs. Because there are no secrets in knowing Jesus. The Holy Spirit can reveal to you things that are to come, much less explain to you things that are. He has that ability. Did that settle in okay? Did I say it too fast? The Holy Spirit, Jesus said, can reveal to you things that are to come, much less explain to you things that already are. There's no secret in knowing Jesus. But here is the point of this passage. The disciples, when? When's the end going to come? What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? And so Jesus begins his explanation 
Guys, this is what we should be telling people. This is what we should be getting in discussions over on social media, in restaurants, at the store, wherever God puts that person in your path. This is what the church should be talking about. Not all the other stuff. Jesus already said that's going to happen. And it's going to get worse. You think bigotry and racism and the economy and viral pandemics is bad? I got good news. It's going to get worse. But it means that God is stirring something in the hearts of his people. Why? Because it takes tragedy for people to be transformed. For some reason, revival only comes at the end of the world's greatest trials because the church keeps getting comfortable in between. Be a sensible servant. And this is what we should be telling people. Verse 30 says, Then at last, the sign. My man took 29 verses to answer the question. See, long-winded preachers are just being like Jesus. Don't get mad at us. It's the Holy Spirit. thought that was funny. It was funnier in my head, but take that out for the next. The sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens and there will be deep mourning. Wait, hang on. The sign that the Son of Man is coming, but there will be deep mourning? among all the peoples of the earth and they will see the son of man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory verse 31 and he will send out his angels with a mighty blast of the trumpet and they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world again I believe this is a reference to those who survived the great tribulation and do not receive the mark of the beast because I don't personally believe that I'm going to be here but if I am I'll stay true in Jesus name I really don't care and I'm not, I don't feel like arguing about it because it really doesn't matter because that is not the point of the context of this passage. That's not the point that Jesus is trying to prove. So what point is he trying to prove? That's what we're getting to. We're not trying to figure out when the world is going to end. We're trying to figure out why Jesus answered this question and how he answered it. Verse 32. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree when its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout you know that the summer is near and then he explains church this is how you will know when things are doing what I already said they would do this is how you'll know you can't know the day you can't know the hour but you can know the season Verse 32, when the Son of Man returns, it will be as it was in the days of Noah. I grew up listening to the cathedrals, quartet group. They used to sing this old song, as it was in the days of Noah. So the coming of the Son of Man be, violence filled the earth, sin and crime ran free. Yay. The Bible says, Jesus explains, people... Were partying, they were having banquets, spending thirty to forty thousand dollars on weddings and shaking the preacher's hand. Thanks for being here. You're welcome. 
They were just distracted, just like everybody else, doing the same thing the world was doing and getting mad at the wrong things. And people didn't realize what was happening until it happened. Listen, God baptized the world in the days of Noah. He baptized it. Just like a believer is baptized prophetically to proclaim that they have given their life to Jesus, God baptized the world. He cleansed the world. And then the Bible says there's a second act of grace. It can be synonymous, but it is separate. That the believer will be filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized, John baptizes with water, and then the believer will be baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire. He already baptized the earth. This time, there's going to be a baptism, but it's going to be a baptism of fire. Heaven and earth shall pass away. So you're trying to get to heaven. You're trying to go somewhere that's not even going to have, that's not even going to stay around. Heaven and earth will pass away. But my word, Jesus says in verse 40, here's the point. You ready? 40, two men will be working in the field. One will be taken and the other one left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken and the other one left. Verse 42, so you too must keep watch. For you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Verse 44, you also must be ready at all times. For the Son of Man will come when you're least expected. If you knew that the thief was coming, then you would be prepared. And I have looked at that verse my whole I've even heard this sermon. There'll be two in the field. There'll be two at the mill. And one will be taken up and the other one left. We will be taken up as the church. We will arise in Christ. We will be caught up in the air with Jesus. We will be with our Lord and rule and reign for a thousand years. And then Armageddon will have its finality. And the enemy will be locked away. And there will be no more tear and no more sorrow. But I have to ask this question today. What about the one that was standing with us when we got taken? Are we okay that somebody was right there and we just kept doing our thing? They were right there and we didn't say anything. We knew what was happening in their relationship. We knew what was going on in their lives. Called the church, nobody answered. I couldn't get the preacher to pray for my friend. God didn't put me with your friend. He put you with your friend. He didn't put me in your house. He put you in your house. He didn't put me at your office. He put you at your office. He didn't put me at the restaurant with that waiter or waitress. He put you there. And in the blinkling, twinkling of an eye, and like a flash of lightning from the east and the west, you're gone. Praise God. But what about them? God, wait, wait, wait. It's too late. You didn't even have time to say, look. So you better watch. You better pray. And you better be alert. Watch this, verse 45. He says, a faithful and sensible servant doesn't look around at what's happening in the world and worry about it. A faithful 
and sensible servant looks around to see who the Holy Spirit put in their path that day. Boy, that changes our perspective of Matthew 24, doesn't it? The Holy Spirit showed me this. I've never heard this preached this way. And then I remembered, what about the one? What about the one that's here this morning? What about the one that's watching online? What about the one that will never come to this church, but they come to your house? You mad because I can't have dinner with everybody. The staff won't return my phone call. Who could you be reaching? We want to minister to you. I'm not excusing us from doing our best and and giving you everything that we have to offer. But we need to quit wanting to have dinner with the people that can make us feel better about ourselves only and begin to look for the opportunities not to be fed, but to feed. A faithful and sensible servant is one whom the master can give responsibility of managing his other household servants and, oh, feeding them. Verse 48, but what if, what if, the point of this whole passage, what if the servant is evil? And thinks my master's not going to be back for a while. They've been saying this for 2,000 years. He's not coming back. Oh, preacher's been preaching this. And then the servant gets lazy. Parties like everybody else. Revels like everybody. Spends their money like everybody else. Wastes their time, energy, effort, and emotion. Just like everybody else. Verse 49 says he begins beating the other servants and partying and getting drunk. Verse 50, the master will return unannounced. This is Jesus. I'm just reading the Bible. And unexpected. You won't even have time to say look. Verse 51, and he's going to cut that. So glad you. Please come back next week if you're a guest. He will cut the servant to pieces. And assign him a place with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I'm almost sure, almost positive. I'm going to preach a message on hell. I preached it a couple of years ago. But we have way more people here. I'm almost positive I'm going to preach a message on hell in this series. This place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Where, where there's burning sulfur and absolute darkness. Because where there is no light, there is darkness. Because darkness is the absence of light. And Jesus ain't in hell. I want you to notice this last point. The reward is not for the saved. Hmm. I messed up my doctrine. See, we think, oh, we're saved. I received salvation. I'm all set up. That's not what this passage says. It says the reward is for the servant. See, that's why we're trying to get you in next steps. That's why we're trying to give you a plan to be able to share your faith with your friends. Because you can receive salvation all day long. If you don't ever show salvation every day, you miss. You miss the point of the answer to the disciples' question. Let me show you a picture and I'm going to pray. Let me show you what's holding back God's wrath from the earth right now. Put that picture up. That. That. 
if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, turn from their wickedness. Notice he didn't say if other people. He said if my people. This is the only thing holding back the wrath of God because Hezekiah prayed. The bride of Christ. God says this, and I close. It's not in your notes. You'll have to look it up. Peter records. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. He's coming. He's patient. Not willing that anyone should perish. Jesus does not want to leave one person and take another. He wants the church to do its job. And understand that if this is the end, then we need an urgency for evangelism unlike we've ever had before because the only answer to the last days is the last church. That's his answer. It's you. It's me. Growing closer to God together as we meet people. Would you bow your head and pray with me? Father, I thank you for your word that it does not return unto you void. Lord, let it penetrate our heart today. I know it's heavy. But when your word gets heavy, it means it's making us holy. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus, for the one that you're going to put in our path this week. Thank you, Lord, for the anointing to look beyond the annoying. Thank you, Jesus, for the fire that burns brightest in the darkness. Thank you, Jesus, that as a faithful and sensible servant, we can be more fulfilled in the worst of times than we ever are frustrated with the worst of people. May the church come alive. If this is the end, and we're closer than we've ever been either way, let the church come alive. Church, evaluate. If you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus answered the disciples' questions in a certain way to make a certain point. Am I answering people's questions in the same way? Am I making the same points when I hit send? Do I look like what Jesus wanted me to look like in that moment? In fact, now may be a good time to just say, Lord, forgive me for those moments last week that I missed. But God, thank you that you haven't come yet. I'm not dead. And you're not done. God, give me another opportunity to make the most with that individual. If you're in the room today and you have not 
received salvation as much as I talked about it today. You've got to begin somewhere. Following Jesus starts with a step, and that step is confessing Him as Lord. That step is surrendering your life to Him so you can walk out with Him because He's been chasing you. He's been chasing after you. If you're in the room and you're watching online, live or later, and you need to receive salvation today, you need to surrender your life to Jesus because you want to be one of the chosen, then choose Him. Right where you are, if you would open your hands in your lap, posture yourself in a position to receive. And church, I want to invite you to support anybody that needs to say this prayer, to make this confession right now. Would you say it with me? Would you pray this right now if you need to receive? Church, would you help us support? Come on, let's pray together. Jesus, forgive me for falling short, being distracted, disobedient, my sin that separates me from you and your will. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross. You paid for my sin. You were raised from the dead so I could be new and I could live. May I follow you with all of my heart. May I obey your every word. May I have an urgency to reach the people that you put in my path from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can you give God praise today? I know it was heavy, but praise him anyway.